0: Let's pray, and then we'll get into the sermon. Father, um, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being so much bigger than what we can imagine. Pray that you would help us renew our minds, to focus on you, to think about heavenly things, Open up our hearts today to receive your word. May we be tuned in and focused. Father, I ask that you would lead me as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in James chapter 4 again today. And I don't know about you guys, but it can be easy or sometimes fun to plan the rest of the day, to plan tomorrow to plan Christmas, and even plan when we're gonna retire. Those are things that we've been taught our whole life, to plan, 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 plan. I've shared this story with you before, but when I was younger, I planned, I told my dad, I planned to be six foot three, 240 pounds, playing the NBA, NFL, and MLB. And he said, "Um, Joey, those plans, might be right, you might be 230 plus pounds, you might be um, in the MLB, the NFL, and the NBA, but you're certainly not gonna be six foot three. So uh, my plans did not come to pass. You guys are supposed to laugh, but you just didn't. I'm like, every Christmas picture, Thanksgiving picture, uh, my brother and I stand on tippy toes to make sure that The world knows that I'm taller than him. Every picture that you find, you'll see it. But we have plans in our life, and often what we do is we take those plans and we put them in our planner. Anyone got a planner in here? All the ladies raising their hands, except Jonathan Pack. But he wears a schmedium, anyways. (laughs) I plan things as well. The point of it is this: is we have these ideas, we have fun planning it, we look out six months, 10 months, a year in advance, 10 years in advance, 30 years in advance, and we start planning. We plan what we want to leave behind for our loved ones. We plan what our jobs will look like. We plan to clean the house. We plan to pay off student loans. Often our plans are centered around what we're financially a slave to though, right? Our plans centered around retiring or paying off this or paying that off. Either way, our plans need to be centered around Christ. We end up playing God and we keep him out of our plans. Anyone ever recognize that about your life? See, what James is going to tell us is there's pride in all of us in ways that we never thought. Who would have thought planning out my life was prideful? Who would have thought planning what I'm going to do next week is prideful? Now, I'm not saying every plan that you have for next week is prideful. But the lack of asking God about what's gonna happen next week is. My lack of consideration of God in my planning, I believe, is a sin. Our whole life, we have been taught to plan, 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 plan. Plan to graduate high school, plan to lift weights, plan to go to school, or sporting events, Plan to take the ACT, plan to get married, plan to have kids, plan to retire. Yet God tells us to seek him first, not plan. See from the age of, I mean I believe that, I believe that my dad's been whispering Ohio State in my ears since the day I was born. Like came out of the womb, he just Ohio, you're gonna go to Ohio State, you're gonna love Ohio State. So this plan has been in my 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 DNA almost to go to Ohio State my whole life. We all have plans that the world has told us we must follow. So James in this epistle seems to be addressing businessmen or women who confidently went on with their business plans with no regards to God's plan. You don't get too completely uh, stuck on this being a business person because this applies to all of us. What James is sharing today applies to every single one of us today. So point number one, and then we're getting into the scripture is, we must follow God's rules, not ours. James chapter four, verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even, uh, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. What is your life? You are a mist, here for a while, and then vanishes. What we see here is that we are trying to follow our own rules in this scripture. James is talking about a business person who's trying to follow their own rules. And as I read the scripture, I often see where I try to follow my own rules, where I can do the same very thing that happened in these four verses. Actually, um, we, we haven't even gotten to the other two yet. How about just this, this, this one verse? Every day I have to fight against this one verse. Following my own rules and not submitting my agenda to God. I have agenda. Or I have an agenda for what I want to accomplish today. Some of that I haven't submitted to God. It's just a plan. I'm going to go home and I'm going to mow the grass. And then after I mow the grass, I'm going to make some good food. Macy and I bought this cheap grill, like 40 bucks charcoal grill, um, when we were celebrating our anniversary. And... Um, Man, we've been making pizzas like every other day, grilling pizzas, getting some smoke, smoke smoke-infused grilling pizzas, and they're really good. You can tell that I've been eating too many pizzas, can't you? Is it COVID or is it the pizzas? It's probably both. It all goes right here too. You're like, I can tell. So I have a plan to maybe go home and make a pizza today. I haven't submitted that before God. See, what's really unique about God, and, and I guess I'm gonna say this later as well, maybe, but he's outside of our timeline. God knows what's gonna happen later. God knows what's gonna happen tomorrow. Pretty cool, isn't it? It's weird, it's challenging. So, Last year we went on vacation and we went to Florida and we loved it. The moment that we left, I told Macy, you won't put the deposit in again next year. For like, You won't put the deposit in right now for next year. And we got home and then I um, did some stuff around the house and just kept on waiting and waiting and waiting. And then we said, in January, we'll just put the deposit in, we'll make our plans, we'll pick our week. But in December, I said, God, um, we, we would like to go to Florida sometime next year. Please reveal to me whether you want us to go or whether you don't want us to go. So I prayed about it several weeks and then I had this dream. And in this dream, we were on the beach in Florida and there was a civil war going on. It was a war zone. Seriously, it was a war zone. Um, The same beach we were at, it was a war zone and um, people were fighting against one another. There were weapons, there were airplanes and I woke up and I told Macy, I'd like to to go to Florida, but here's the dream that I had and I believe that God's speaking to us not to go. Now that dream was really weird because some of that stuff's actually taking place right now. We see people fighting and guns and a civil war going on within our nation. But the other piece was this. I mean, I see people vacationing to the same spot that we go, even to this day. God knew what was gonna happen if we went to Florida. Maybe it was a car accident. Maybe it was sickness. Maybe something happened here at church. Who knows what it would have been? But we at least presented it before God for him to direct our steps, and we were willing to stay home in Ohio where there's no beach. Or, sorry, I take that back. There's beachfront at um, the reservoir. (laughs) I mean, you can go to Florida or you can go to the reservoir. Which one do you want to go to? (laughs) Yeah, there's beachfront there too, but I mean, I heard that if you put your toe in that water, it comes back molded. (laughs) It's been a rumor. I've never done it. God's outside of our timeline. So we must follow his rules, not our own. Our rules often lead us to a place of being so caught up in material things, plans of the future, or strategies about life that we simply forget about the real meaning. The real meaning of life is intimacy with the king, is intimately knowing God, not preparing for retirement. And right now, Some people in the room are like, you millennials, not preparing for anything. Not planning for anything. You just live by the seat of your pants. Don't wanna work hard. Wake up and wanna work at Google and just go to work in your flip flops and work two hours a week. Well, some millennials are that way. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about not preparing, not having a plan. What I'm saying is, um, yeah, there's some people who don't have a plan. There's some people who do have a plan. They're overly planned. What I'm saying is this, is planning my retirement, planning my next week, planning my future without considering Jesus Christ is not smart. It's not what James Um, would call wisdom. Every plan should go before God. And you're like, well where's my freedom? Where's my autonomy? I believe Paul said that he was a bondservant to Christ. So what's wrong with presenting everything, every plan in your life to Jesus? I don't see one other than you fighting to be free or um, autonomous from him. Paul, I do say this, Paul planned things. You realize that? So the church of Corinth was disappointed because Paul um, didn't arrive to them as quickly as he wanted. So I'm saying, so why I'm bringing this up, just to bring a little bit of clarity. Um, I'm telling you that plans are appropriate, but plans that are appropriate go through Christ first. So when you go to your planner, and you get to your planner, and you start putting dates in there, the dates that you're putting in have went to Christ first. So Paul desired to go visit the church in Corinth. He wanted to go there. He talked to them about going there, and the church in Corinth is now disappointed because Paul has not um, been there as quickly as they wanted. Anyone ever been disappointed because you haven't been able to go somewhere as quickly as you wanted? Participating church. Second Corinthians one, verse 17. Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Paul's asking. So was I fickle when I wanted to come to you? Was I fickle when I intended to come see you? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner? so that in the same breath, I say yes, yes, and no, no. What Paul's saying is, look, I'm not one of those people who says, yeah, I'll be there, and then in the same sentence say, no, I won't. He wasn't a yes person. He wasn't being fickle when he said, I'll be there. Yeah, I'll show up. He was able to stand up for himself. But what's really unique is this, is, Do I make plans in a worldly manner? Hear what that says. But then also hear what it doesn't say. So when he says, do I make plans in a worldly manner? What he's also saying is, no, I make plans in a godly manner. So when I intended to come to you, that plan went before God. Paul's saying he's not making plans in a worldly manner. He considers God and his yes is yes, and his no is no. See, his life wasn't led by the planner, it was led by the spirit. And the spirit was delaying him before he was able to visit the church in Corinth. The Spirit was. The Spirit was leading him. I will, Probably ruffle some feathers in here. Um, That's okay because it's truth and love. But how many birthdays, sporting events, movie nights, holidays, vacations, football games? The list could go on. How many of those things do we put in our calendar before we ever considered putting in a church event? Come on, somebody. Why is it so easy that we go to the planner, birthday, anniversary, sporting event, sporting event, sporting event, Um, free night to relax, wine and cheese night, or wine with the (laughs) wine. That's every day at 3.30, isn't it? Or is it 2.30? Don't know what it is. Movie night, mow grass day, and you plan all these things and then in your heart, your heart tells you, I love Jesus. He's number one in my life. And then the church says, hey, we're going to be evangelizing every Thursday. And the church says, hey, we're going to have faith week. Hey, sign up for prayer. Hey, we're going to have a night of worship on the square. And we literally have 150 events in our calendar that have nothing to do with Christ. Now, you can bring Christ with you. Don't hear, that. Don't hear that I'm not saying you can't bring Christ with you. But when it comes to godly events, we just seem to not prioritize it. I tell you this. If your plans never lead you to a place of fellowship, service, prayer, worship, and word then you're not putting God first. Now, did you notice that I didn't say or? I said and. God wants us in fellowship, he wants us in service, he wants us in prayer, he wants us to worship him, and he wants us reading and understanding his word. Amen? God's expectation is to be considered first in your future plans. So my caution my caution, with, with overly planning your life is there's many possibilities that can take place. The possibility of planning um, our whole life, just planning our whole life away, right? And forgetting to ask God for direction. That's a concern. Or the possibility of quenching the spirit by walking in the flesh. See, if I have everything mapped out for my next week, where can God move? Or we limit him to only moving where we're leading him. The possibility of running too quickly and getting ahead of God. Um, i felt like, and you know, I could be wrong, and um, whatever, but I felt like several years ago, God said that I would be a part of helping lead a worship team that just traveled through the Midwest Just went to different locations in a part of the Midwest. I told some dear friends of mine, talked to them about it, and two years went by. And um, they kept on kind of harassing me. Joey, you're not moving, you're not doing anything. You You need to get your life straight, and you need to start pursuing this night of worship. You need to start pursuing making this happen. So this was over dinner, and I sat there, And I listened to them telling me, you have to move, you have to move, you have to move. And I prayed about it. And I felt like God said, it's not time to move. It's not time. So they had dinner and they said, it's your time to do it. People that I love, people that I care about, people that are godly. So I did it. Had a night of worship. It was horrible. I mean, horrible. The speakers were so loud that night, people's ears are bleeding. The worship team's fighting during the worship event. There was no camaraderie, limited worship, and then after the event, Macy and I were able to process. We're like, well, we at least learned to wait on God's timing. We must consider God's timing in our plans. Remember the point. We must Follow God's rules, not ours. So, James gives us four points in one sentence that we must consider that will help us not plan our whole life away. Packed sentence. Here we go. We've already read it. James chapter 13, or sorry, James chapter 4, verse 13. You who say today or tomorrow, So, um, what's being said here is there's a tendency for us as humans to choose what we're gonna do today or tomorrow. We are the ones who try to choose when we're gonna do something, how we're gonna do something, and the time we're gonna do something, right? How many of you guys have a plan of what you're gonna do tomorrow? Good. So, this week, do you get that? What what James is saying here is you who say today or tomorrow. You who say that. So, what we are saying is we're prideful in such a way that we think that we can choose what we get to do tomorrow. We don't even know that we're going to be alive tomorrow. So my plan absent of considering Christ is not from heavenly wisdom. So there's a tendency for us to operate in pride as if we know what's gonna happen this evening. See, in, in, in the whole message, and I'm gonna um, try to bring it all together at the end, but the whole message, this should cultivate in us a deep surrender before God today. Today in my plans, in my actions. So this week, go into prayer before you plan anything else. You say, I won't get anything done then. Well, that's between you and God. If you think you're not gonna get anything done because God's gonna delay you, you're also deceived. God's not gonna make you an ineffective person. God actually desires that you will be a fruitful, abundantly fruitful human being. And the problem or the reason why we're not being fruitful is the church in general has turned their yes to no. If you want to be fruitful, start saying yes to God again. If we want to be fruitful as a church, we should start saying yes to God again. So James is addressing the fact that we are too prideful and think that we can plan out our future when we don't even know what the rest of the day brings. We have this false assurance as if tomorrow is promised. Again, he isn't saying don't have a plan or that planning is bad. He's saying that our plans must be put before God, amen? We will go to this city or that city. So not only do we plan um, the time that we're gonna do something, but we also, depl- uh, we also plan where we're gonna go. Prideful. I'm gonna go to Europe next year. I'm gonna go to Florida next year. I'm gonna go to Columbus tonight. Now, please do not hear fear within this message. That's not my hope. My hope is to simply say we can be released of that fear when we put our days and our schedules before God. Pride gets in the way to try to tell us where we're gonna go. And then pride not only tells us what time we're gonna do something, where we're gonna go, it also tries to tell us how long we're gonna stay there. What I appreciate about talking with Rob is... um, he, um, he was out in Iowa, and he was serving out in Iowa, and things were going generally well. Um, and then he said, I want to go to Louisiana. And his plan was to go to L- Louisiana. And then he considered God, and God said, no, you're staying here until I release you. So, Rob, thank you for considering God and your schedule. How long you're going to be somewhere. And then the next part that was really prideful in in this one verse is, I will carry on business and make money. So this businessman, essentially telling God and telling people, um, tomorrow or next week I'm going to Springfield, or let's just say I'm moving to California, and I will be living in Sacramento. I'm going to spend a year there. And as I spend a year there, I'm so good at what I do, I'm going to make a million dollars. And James is trying to pull us back and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be so caught up in what you think the future brings that you miss on God in this very moment. Because in this very moment, you could meet him face to face. And as I've been studying this scripture, it makes me say, if this was my last day, is this how I'd want to end it? If this is my last day, is this, is this how I'd want to face the one who I love? It was all about Christ. See, it's first all about how I honor God, but because of my honor to God, then I'll end well with Macy. I'll end well with Dave. I'll end well with the church. It's not, I want to be known for loving the church or I want to be known for loving my wife. It's, I want to be known for loving God well on my last day, and because I loved God well, everyone else reaped the benefits of that. But it's prideful when we think that we're so good at our skills that we can just start a business or make money wherever we go. So we decide what our job will be and we are confident enough to say we will make money. We get caught up so much in the world's wisdom that we become self-confident, self-assured in our, in our plans and we do not demonstrate dependence on God. Tomorrow is not promised. Let's move on to verse 14. Tomorrow is not promised It's so cliche within the church, within this world. But you know what happens is the church and members and visitors at the very basics of scripture, they're so basic that we jump over them. We've heard it a thousand times, but if you want the deeper things of God, start saying yes to the basic things First. What good is the Greek and the Hebrew if you won't even apply prayer? If you won't even apply simple obedience? Tomorrow is not promised. That's something we should apply today, a basic. See, I'll tell you this if you knew that you were not going to be alive tomorrow, you'd forgive someone, you'd forgive the person that you've been holding a grudge against for 30 years. You wouldn't be so worried about the dishes in the sink anymore. But the pride in us says, I got to have it my way in my house. The pride in us wants to hold on to all this money in our bank account. The pride, the pride, the pride. That if you knew that at uh, 11.59 tonight, when the clock clicked 12, If you knew you were gone, you'd live a whole lot differently today. So if you knew that you would live a whole lot differently today, James is encouraging us to live in that submission to God right now. People keep on talking about Jesus is returning, Jesus is returning. Well, I tell you this, people are going to meet Jesus before he actually returns to earth, and none of those people know when it's gonna be. Get right with Jesus today. Um, The other day I encountered uh, a guy coming up to me, um, weird circumstances on the phone, wasn't where I originally intended to be. Because of the phone call, I'm sitting there much longer than I ever wanted to, um, blah, 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 blah. And a guy came up to me and he was asking me for money. And he said this, um, do you have some money? And I said, I can go buy you some food. He said, I don't want food. He said, I'm hungry, I just don't want this food. I said, I'll go in there, I'll buy you this food. He said, I don't want it. I said, I'll buy you that food. He said, I don't want it. I said, well, buddy, what do you think that's making me feel Feel like when you say you're hungry and I offer to buy you two places and you don't want any food? And he said, I don't know. He said, no, I know. I know what you're feeling. I said, do you know Jesus? He said, yes. And he shared some scriptures. And I talked to him about who Jesus was. And I said, it sounds like you know who Jesus is. You believe in Jesus. Right now you have a problem of saying yes to him. I said, so scripture says this. Anything that causes you to sin, poke it out and cut it off. He said, well, what does that mean? I said, repentance. Turn from the things of this world. Turn from the sins in your life and drop them and give them to God. So anything that causes you to sin, get rid of it. So I said, I have 20 bucks for you. And I looked him in the eye and I said, is this 20 bucks gonna cause you to sin? I said, because what scripture says is if it is, don't take it. If this 20 bucks is gonna cause you to sin, don't take this money. Trust that God will provide food for you and shelter for you another way. He said, I've never heard that. I've never heard it that way. I never thought of it that way. But God was leading the conversation as well anything that's going to cause you to sin, get rid of it. And as I pray for this church, and I pray for our communities, and I pray for the leaders, and I pray for the congregation, the reoccurring theme is this, is we have people during this day and age who are unwilling to poke, off, poke out and cut off things in their life, and they just continue to stay with them. See, God doesn't require a little bit. He requires your whole heart. Everything. But if you keep on taking the $20 that is causing you to sin, if you keep on taking uh, the same route that's causing you to sin, I'm not sure that that's repentance. Poke it out. Cut it off. Get rid of it. Today. Cause I tell you this: If you knew that your life was ending tonight at 11:59, you would be on your knees getting rid of it. Tomorrow is not promised. You would not be mad at your wife. You would not be mad at your husband. You would walk in reconciliation and forgiveness. Tomorrow is not promised. Verse 14, why do you not even, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Any of you guys have any of the humidifiers at home? Anyone, no one? Whatever, humidifier. (laughs) Humidifier. Now you got me all confused like, I know I say stuff wrong up here. (laughs) Did I say it right? Macy's not blushing, so I must have said it right. (laughs) A humidifier. The one where you take your gallons of essential oils and (laughs) smell up the whole house. A mist. Our life is nothing but a mist. Here today and gone tomorrow. See, it, wasn't, it doesn't say your life is nothing but an essential oil humidifier that if you keep on filling it up, it keeps on going. No, you're nothing but a mist. So that one little piece, it's here and then it's gone. I always played these weird games as a kid when I'm in the car and you're driving past telephone poles and you're taking your arm over the telephone poles, Right? I know y'all been there. Don't even look at me like I'm weird. And then you just, like the wipers, I'd see the wipers. And be like, I tried to time the wipers that between the telephone poles. Anyone else do that? Barb's witnessing, thank you, Barb. It's Barb's birthday, she's just got the glory of God on her today, 29 years old, happy birthday, Barb. Sorry if I missed yours. I saw hers on Facebook this morning. You're like, why do you bring that up? Because life is like you're traveling 70 miles an hour and the poles are just passing you extremely quickly. It's just flying by. Your life is nothing but a mist. It's here and then it's gone. James gives us two reasons why we should depend upon God. Right here. Because life is uncertain and life is short. It's a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. Life is uncertain and life is short. So instead of leading your own life, James shares this. Verse 15, instead you ought to say if, have you guys heard that in my prayer? If I wake up tomorrow, if I wake up tomorrow, if you wake up tomorrow, you can say that passively, but I mean it, instead you ought to say if this, sorry, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and we will do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. That verse will preach a long time. We are to say if it's God's will, we will serve him tomorrow. When I leave church, and someone cuts in front of me, when my spouse or the kids are annoying me, we are to live as if tomorrow is not promised. If if it's God's will, I will make money. If it's God's will, I will wake up tomorrow. If it's God's will, I will make it home today. If it's God's will, if it's God's will, if it's God's will. God being considered in every aspect. James tells us, if we know what good there is to do and we don't do it, it's a sin. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? How many this week knew something, new, knew something good to do and didn't do it? My hands raised. If you knew what good to do and didn't do it, that's a sin. Now, I don't share that as judgmental eyes. I don't share that as anything other than saying, let's do better, let's keep each other accountable. It's a hard truth, but let's live into it. Now, he is saying that in light of knowing that tomorrow is not promised, so, if this is the last moment of your life, which you don't know, will you live it unto God? Are you living this moment unto God? Are you engaging the scriptures? Are you listening? Or are you being critical or frustrated or thinking about KFC five for five? Mashed potatoes, green beans, biscuit and give me a, breast and a give me a breast and a wing, and then you take the. the the wing and smash it in the mashed potatoes, throw some macaroni on there and take the huge bite. Is there any other way to eat it? I haven't had KFC in probably 20 years, no joke. Um, I might dream about it though. (laughs) I don't know why that's so funny, woman. James tells us, yeah, if there's, and the person I call my woman is my mom, so if you're new here, don't be like, (laughs) hmm, either way. Tomorrow's not promised. Are you living this moment unto God? There are people in this room right now that have sin in their life. How about I say that a different way? Everyone in this room right now has sin in their life. There's grace, there's God's mercy, and there's the blood of Jesus, yes. But there's also accountability before him with a pure heart that wants to get rid of those things. There's people in this room that keep on waiting to repent. They keep on waiting to poke out and cut off things in their life. You keep on waiting for the right time. You keep on waiting for the right time. And I don't know if there will be statistics in heaven or not, but I wonder how many people waited for the right time that are going to hell. You just kept on waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then boom, you're facing Jesus and never had the blood poured over you. You just kept on waiting for the right time. You were so offended at church and you felt like you weren't growing at church. You're just waiting for this or waiting for that. Waiting for the right scripture. But the Spirit of God was telling you each week to get rid of it and that's why you were thinking about it. Because the Holy Spirit was telling you, it's time to release this. It's time to trust me. It's time to move forward. The American church just keeps on waiting. Someone once sang that song, Waiting on the World to Change. How about this? Waiting on the Time to Repent. I'm going to do a cover. Waiting on Time to Repent. Keep on, yeah, keep on waiting, waiting, waiting on my time to repent. Carissa, what do you think? She's giving me the thumbs up, but. Carissa's so nice, (laughs) she's very gracious. (laughs) Furthermore, what are we waiting for? You keep on waiting for the right time to forgive. You keep on waiting for the right time to cut off or poke out you keep on waiting and waiting to invite God into every moment in your life. You have good intentions, but good intentions without the application means nothing. Good intentions without obedience means nothing. So in 1993, Michael Jordan just got done winning one of his NBA championships. Celebrating, happy. Now during the off season, it was July 23rd. His dad was traveling home from somewhere. Michael was trying to get a hold of him, mom was trying to get a hold of him. July 23rd, 1993, just a normal night, just a normal day. Another day in paradise where they have millions of dollars, enough money to not know what to do with. Michael's dad was on his way home from a trip and decided to take a nap at a rest stop because he was fatigued and wanted to be able to finish the trip. That night he was murdered. He woke up not thinking that he would be murdered. January 25th, 2020, Kobe Bryant just got back the evening before from a basketball tournament that he was putting on for his daughter and kids. A league that he was investing into the younger generation, teaching them. July 25th, he goes to Catholic Mass hops in his personal helicopter that he's taken thousands of trips with to go back to this tournament. Seven others with him on that helicopter. After 20 minutes of being on flight, crashes into a side of a mountain going 184 miles an hour. Kobe Bryant, one of the richest people in the world who had everything. He didn't wake up that day and say, I'm gonna die. Your life is nothing but a mist. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Do you you think that Kobe had the confidence and his wife had the confidence and his kids had the confidence that he's gonna continually be here for generations to come? Yes. I'm sure he thought he would be a grandfather. That he'd be fully inducted into the Hall of Fame and be able to celebrate that. He had plans to do those things. Tom Ryan, Ohio State's uh, wrestling coach. One night after um, getting home from wrestling practice while he was a coach in New York, got home just a normal night eating dinner with his family. After they got done eating, the joy in his heart to watch the kids run around the house. Just the joy, hearing the footsteps and the laughter and the screams. And then they begin to play hide and go seek. So his mom decided, or the little boy's mom or Tom's wife decided she was gonna participate a little bit. And then Tom decided that he was gonna participate a little bit because there's just so much joy in the house, these little kids with little feet, so cute, running around. So he ran her. He ran and he hid, and she ran and she hid. And then his little boy came around the corner. The mom's get ready to scare him. He collapsed. Heart stopped, quit breathing. She picked him up, and Tom picked him up then. Tried to do CPR, she called um, 911. Less than a mile away from the house, it took over 12 minutes for them to get there. Tom heard a siren up the road, so he's taking his son and he's running blocks to try to meet the ambulance so that the boy could be saved. Three years old, just happy son, smile and laughter. So he ran, he ran and, and that siren kept on going the other way. So he takes his son and he runs back home and then the ambulance gets there and the kids watch at the door. As Tom and mom leave, they had someone come over, they had someone come over and watch the kids, and the way he shares his story is this, is he said, when the kids get older, when you get home, they walk out the back door, but when they're younger, they stand at the front door waiting for you, he said, so my two other children were waiting at the door for us when we got home from the hospital, and they didn't understand where Bubby was. You know what's interesting about that story? At that point in Tom's life, he wasn't a believer. He didn't expect that to happen. and the way that he shares his story is this: is I had too many promises about my life that I knew that I'd get to uh, see my son get married, and I knew that I would have grandkids, and he'd be a wrestler. I knew these things. And it threw me into a spiral. So he said, I studied and I studied and I studied and he said, I had a whiteboard in my office and I said, God or evolution? He ended up coming to know who Christ was because of his son. He teaches wrestlers about Jesus every week because of that moment. Does his heart hurt? Yes. He didn't expect that to happen in his life but God has made it work together for his good. Aren't we prideful? Don't we think we know how we're gonna lead our family tomorrow? Or who's gonna be here tomorrow? Call your loved one today. No matter how offended you are, no matter how hurt you are, God could have made that loved one anyone else's brother, anyone else's sister, anyone else's cousin, but he made him yours for a reason. September 10th. It was a Monday night and football was on. Probably when there were good commentary, good seeming football. And I was at the, the ripe age of loving football. Just a regular day. I watched um, Monday Night Football and I remember this. I had a 10, I'm, I'm old enough to be able to say this. I had like a Six-inch um, TV that was black and white that had an antenna on it that I could catch football on. So I put it on my bedstand and I would watch Monday Night Football in black and white on a 10-inch TV. And actually, I believe we watched, um, <laughs> one night we had uh, Pastor Lyndon over, and we watched a basketball game on that because... Um, He thought we had cable TV or a bigger TV, and he came over and we watched basketball on like this 10 inch TV all sitting around it. (laughs) He's like, Why did I come to Randy's house? (laughs) Either way, um, that night after I shut off that TV and fell asleep, I expected that the next day was going to be a normal day. I go to school, I'm in choir class, and. We're singing, and I didn't like singing, I was more embarrassed then, I still don't like singing. But we're singing something, la 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 la, do re mi, ba 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 ba, right? And everything stopped. The teacher got got on the phone and heard something and everything stopped. And I'm like, am I in trouble for sounding like a basset hound? What is it? No, she immediately turned on the TV. And on the TV, we saw that one of the Twin Towers was hit. See, when I was watching Monday Night Football that next morning, I didn't think that it was gonna be any different of a day. I had planned that I was gonna get Bosco sticks, maybe a spicy chicken sandwich, and then maybe two chocolate milks and a brownie. That was my plan. I was gonna go to sleep in study hall, or play paper football, and then in Mrs. Poland's class, you better believe I was sleeping. For you Mechanicsburg people, can I get a witness? (laughs) Loved it. I was gonna go ahead and say, why do you think I can't talk? But it wasn't her fault, it was mine for sleeping. So, um, a little bit later, another tower was hit. What, is the world falling apart? Is this the end? Are we being attacked? Why are we so prideful to think that we know what's gonna happen tomorrow? I have a friend who was supposed to be on one of the flights that hit the Pentagon. That morning he woke up and he was sick. So he stayed home because of his fever and puking. He had to reschedule his flight. Now, because he played for the Detroit Tigers, he private jets everywhere. Must be nice. He was supposed to be on that plane. I'm not saying that we are to live in fear. We are to live in freedom as we consult God on our future because he lives outside of our timeline. Amen? We can live in confidence as we consult him about our future. Now look, it doesn't say, God, can I buy this new car? And then him say no and you buy it anyway. Consulting God without obedience is no better than not consulting him. Consult God and say yes to him. I talked about Florida for like three months after being there. I wanted to be there so bad again. But we consulted God and we heard God and we didn't go. And maybe nothing would have happened. Maybe he just wanted my obedience. But I would rather be obedient to God than live in my own will. December 31st, 2019. I don't know what y'all were doing. I was probably asleep at eight. Listen, if it's not a banger of a movie, I'm out. <laughs> like, 7.30 if I'm on a couch, I'm sleeping. Anyone else that way? <laughs> it's like, it's great to fall asleep to a movie. So no candy that night. We probably have a, had a little bit of food, watching something. We don't have cable, so we're probably gonna watch whatever we're watching over air or on YouTube. Watch the ball drop, which means... The new year was actually like 30 seconds ago because of the streaming. So we were late anyways. When I went to sleep that night, I had no clue what 2020 was gonna represent. Did you? I didn't. Maybe if we consult God, He'll let us know. He'll let us know what tomorrow holds for us. So I wanna leave you with this. And the scope of knowing that tomorrow isn't promised. And the idea of if anyone knows, um, if anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. Why not repent today? I'm asking you that, why not repent today? Why not give God permission in your life today? Why not say you're sorry to a loved one today? Why not say you're sorry to God today? Why not give God permission in every area of your life today? Why not? Why not say yes to him fully once again today? Because tomorrow is not promised and this might be the last opportunity that you ever have to be right with Christ. Amen? So I'm gonna provide that opportunity right now. I'm gonna provide you space at the altar with fiscal obedience to get right with God. And you're saying, I don't wanna go, I don't wanna go, I'm fearful, I'm scared, I, my heart's beating. Follow his leading in your life, not your own. So the tech booth has some music I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna provide you space. If you want some prayer while you're kneeling, while you're um, bent over, just raise, raise your hand and the elders will come pray with you or an, an elder will come pray with you. Why not today though, amen? Father, in Jesus' name. We don't know that tomorrow's promised. We don't know that this evening is promised. Help us not be so prideful to consider our ways first. Give us the boldness in this moment to respond to you, to give you and offer you more of our life, everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. just keep the music on because it's not going to be too long I'm going to wrap up here soon but uh, we want to stay in this position of prayer but I just continually hearing like well God if you want me to go to the altar make it clear and in my mind it's like well why would you not like that's the pride speaking asking God if you should go to the altar means that you're unwilling to so why would you not Um, humble yourself respond to him submit to him ask him for leading in your life why would you not so um, I just encourage you don't leave here wishing that you would have we're going to stay here as long as God wants us here. Do business with him. Um, Ask him. Ask for his wisdom. For his time for you to leave the altar. For his time to leave the sanctuary. But you guys are formally dismissed. But the rest of you who feel like um, you need to spend a little bit more time in presence with him. um, Just remain right where you are. God lead us and protect us this week may we submit to you in our time and our schedules. In Jesus' name.